Hi, uh, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you may be listening to this podcast. It is coming out at a different time. Um, usually I try and upload the podcasts on the weekend. However, I thought I was going to do like a three-part mini-series, if you will, to getting back to Australia from pre-flight to the flight itself and then hotel quarantine. The hotel quarantine episode has already been recorded, so you can expect to see that in your feed very, very soon. I just wanted to once again point out if you're new to the DJ's Aviation Podcast or if you maybe were unaware how podcasting platforms work, there should be somewhere where you can follow the podcast and this means you'll be notified when the next episode comes out. Um, That will probably be best if you want to keep track of this mini-series. But for today's episode, just as the title says, we're going to basically go over my experience with Qatar Airways, the flight experience, also my lengthy layover at Doha International, walking up and down the terminal, and basically my thoughts on it overall. This is my first time flying Qatar Airways. I've had family that have flown Qatar Airways and have ranted and raved about their experience on board the aircraft. So personally for myself, I was pretty excited to try out what their product was going to be like. Albeit, I knew it would be a little bit of a different experience to maybe what I would have had had I flown, say, before the pandemic. As if I'd flown before the pandemic, you know, the flight would have been full. I think the experience would have been very, very different. However, on a whole, as you probably listened to the last podcast, if you did, I definitely went over and also discussed just how the amount of paperwork I had to do, the the baggage problems, the terrible customer service that I dealt with. But obviously, I tried to keep that very much separate from actually flying with the carrier because I thought, hey, that's one thing and flying with Qatar Airways is another. So I went into it with somewhat of an open mind, but I'm not going to lie. I think like anyone, after having certain experiences, you definitely have a clouded sort of vision and the way you perceive the situation and definitely look at the airline and maybe a little bit tainted in comparison to going in, say, with nothing prior and all you do is simply board the aircraft. Um... So basically to just start off and and pick up from where we left off in the last episode, my flight was indeed delayed about two hours from departure. Now, this originally was not delayed. However, the aircraft went tech. So basically we had a couple of people board and then they got offloaded eventually when we realized that the aircraft was basically not going anywhere. Uh, And then progressively over the two hours... Well, I would, I would say we didn't receive any updates. The only updates we got were, we'll update you in 25 minutes, where nothing was really said until, hey, we're boarding again. So I thought that was definitely interesting. Um, as previously, when I've been on airlines that have had the flights delayed, we've been given very, very informative updates to sort of understand the status and situation rather than just saying it'll be 25 minutes. Um, upon boarding the aircraft, I wouldn't really say it was anything different to any other airline I've flown. It's a pretty normal procedure. It's, you know, they check your ticket and you go to your seat. Um, I've flown on the Boeing 777 before. I've flown on the Air New Zealand 777. So this is not necessarily a new aircraft experience for me, but I was definitely keen to weigh it up to how I found the Air New Zealand 777. And I can confidently say that I preferred the Air New Zealand 777. One of my main objectives for the flight, which just again to say it was from London, Doha to Adelaide, my main objective was to sleep. One of the funniest things, and maybe uh, some people will not believe me when I say this so and, and so on, but for me, um, I don't actually enjoy flying. I'm not scared of flying. I've never felt sick when flying, but I'm that kind of person that doesn't want to sit on a plane for 24 hours to get to my destination. I'm not a huge fan of it. 
even two hour flights. I just feel like it's un not unnecessary, but you know what I mean? You just kind of sat there and going like, oh, twiddling your thumbs. Um, I certainly enjoy the takeoff and landing process and procedure, if you will. And I love, I love boarding and I, I love going to the airport. But when it comes to actually flying at that point, I'm just like, get me to my destination. I don't want to sit around here. So if we're taking a look at a London to Australia flight, that's 24 hours. For me personally, with my transit, it was around a 29 hour journey. Uh, and at that point for me, I was just like, oh God, I'm not looking forward to the next 28, 29 hours. So once this plane takes off, I am immediately um, looking for somewhere to basically sleep. The flight was relatively empty. I'd say there was about maybe 60 or 70 people on board. Honestly, it was more than I was originally expecting, if I'm going to be completely honest. I thought there would be a, a significant less than that, given the fact that it's a pandemic but I was expecting even less on my Doha to Adelaide flight. And yes, there was, to confirm, there was less on that final leg than there was for London to Doha. Um, upon takeoff, I would say it was a pretty smooth takeoff. I have recorded the in-flight takeoff, so if you would like to watch that, it will be published on my second channel, which is DJ's Transport at some stage, and you'll be more than welcome to go and watch that at your own leisure. Uh, however, I did record. I didn't record trip reports because I wanted to use this podcast as a basically a way to explain the experience without having to be, you know, conform to a seven-minute video recording. And I had to talk about, say, the boarding procedure for only the one-minute clip rather than going into more detail, which is something I definitely like to do. And if you listen to these podcasts, you'll know I sometimes vent and ramble and go off on tangents and so forth. So I have recorded the takeoff, the landing in Doha, the departure from Doha, and the landing in Adelaide. They'll all be subsequently eventually uploaded to the second channel, so you can, I don't know, listen to this podcast and check out those videos after, whether it's down the line. In fact, at the time of recording this, the in-flight landing in Doha, which was a beautiful sunset, spoiler alert, um, has just been uploaded to the second channel, and you're more than welcome to go and go and watch that, if you will. Personally, what my favorite in-flight clip from the the flight in general probably one of my favorites of all time just mainly due to the sunset and banking over the water it was it was truly magnificent as for the flight itself the first leg i can't say a whole lot personally i slept i struggled to sleep but i slept from about 20 minutes into the departure all the way until maybe like an hour before landing I originally, I originally was on a window seat, so I had it was a three-four-three configuration on the triple seven. So I originally had the three seats to myself, and um, I was struggling to sleep because I found it so uncomfortable. I, because I was, I'm not someone that's very tall, but I'm not someone that is really, really short. I'm sort of in between. So I found it as in the three seats were not adequate enough for me to stretch out, but like I could somewhat lie down, but I couldn't. And uh, when I'm on a plane, I'm someone that cannot sleep unless I'm lying down. So if I don't go business class, which I never do, sort of for me, the only option is to, I guess, lie, lie down. And that very rarely happens because when I was flying, you know, before the pandemic, flights were quite busy. They weren't, you know, half empty or, or, or three quarters empty like we see now with the ongoing pandemic, meaning that a lot of people cannot travel unless it is for essential reasons especially when it comes to long-haul travel although that is starting to change unless you are in australia where it is going to be exactly the same for a very long time by the looks of it at the very least so like i said i was originally at the three seats and then I, as i went for a bit of a walk i found four spare seats 
so I moved to the four seats. One of the main things I noticed on board Qatar, and this was basically throughout my experience, um, the flight attendants don't really know when you're sleeping. Now, I had my blanket, my mask, uh, and my blindfold and so forth on, and I was, well, I'd argue my sleep quality wasn't great, but it definitely looked like I was fast asleep. And something that I've never had on any other flight with any other airline when I've tried to sleep is flight attendants trying to wake you up. I was woken up countless times by the flight attendants to ask if I wanted water, if I wanted food and so forth, um, which I mean, at the end of the day, is nice of them to ask, but I think personally, after having experienced other airlines, most of these airlines take note, like the cabin crew take note that you're sleeping and just sort of leave it, or they'll, you know, put down a tray table somewhere around and have water, or you can go up and ask them for water after. Personally, that's what I've done with the likes of uh, Qantas, who I usually fly long haul. But with guitar, it was very different, and uh, many times I'd get woken up to, like, them shaking my feet or legs, and it would scare me, because I'd kind of be like, wait, what? Why is someone, you know, shaking my feet type of thing? So that was weird. That was one of the main takeaways from my flight. But like I said, for the most part, I was asleep, or at least trying to go to sleep. Definitely, I definitely found the 777 to be comfortable in comparison to the Airbus A350 when it comes to the seats. Now, the 777 was louder than the A350 for me personally, but in saying that, I found the 777 to be more comfortable seat-wise. I don't know why. I'm sure there were people that would disagree with me, but I found the 777s more comfortable to sleep on, like the seats, than the A350s. In fact, the A350 seat felt uh, I could best compare it to if anyone's travelled with LNER, so uh, out of King's Cross, like throughout the UK, when it comes to train travel. Those seats on the uh, Class 800 Azumas feel very, uh, how do I put it, almost like a cardboard. There's no real way that they form to your back. They don't really move. They're very they're very hard and rocky, and that's how I would describe the A350 seats. So it was hard to sort of get an indentation to feel somewhat you know, comfortable. Um, but I found the 777s were a lot easier to do that and they sort of moulded around my back and however I was sitting in them, which I greatly appreciate in a seat. That being said, I'm not really a trip reporter or a flight reviewer, so I, I don't really pay attention to these things. In fact, doing this sort of podcast is really tough for me because I usually just buy the cheapest ticket. That is something I should bring up. Qatar Airways are known for their high reviews and so forth, but for me personally, I just buy the cheapest ticket. And I've always done this. I know a lot of people will look for, oh God, what's the seat pitch and the, and the leg room? But for me, I don't care. Whatever is the cheapest ticket, I will take at a moment's notice because I would rather pay for a cheap ticket. You know what I mean? Um, there are some people that will definitely agree with me. I think the vast majority will. But maybe in the aviation community, people will disagree because they'll take, pardon me, they may take that extra step to find out more information, which is fun. But I think... For me, I just I probably did that more so when I was younger, when my parents were paying for the ticket. But now that I pay for the ticket with my own money, I'm just like, give me the cheapest flight. I do not want to pay any more than I have to. So Qatar Airways flying them was not really a choice of mine. Like it wasn't a desire to fly Qatar Airways. I probably would have gone with maybe Qantas to go home, but they were not flying, and I had to fly with Qatar. So a new carrier ticked off. Um, I was a bit concerned with regards to my peanut allergy, but that seemed to go all good. I say that seemed to go all good because it didn't actually eat any of the food. In fact, I only ate one meal all the way from London through to Adelaide, and that was a chicken 
and rice dish, which was disgusting. The chicken wasn't even cooked properly. It was like cold in the middle and hard, so I didn't finish it. I just ate the rice. And then I got a sore tummy later that night. So was it any wonder? I don't know. But it wasn't a great experience. The nicest thing I ate was Kit Kats from the, from the little snack bar that I found. Uh, so the food experience wasn't great. I didn't eat any, other, any of the other meals because I was too scared that they would somehow put peanuts in them. Um, and obviously then I'd have a reaction type of thing. So that's just that's more of a personal, a personal worry of mine, if you will, when it comes to flying. I'm always concerned about that. And having never flown Qatar, even though they say they actively don't try to put peanuts, you know, you can never know what to expect in this sort of situation. And um, obviously with a lot of the packaging in a different language, I was a little bit concerned that I wouldn't really understand what the situation was. Uh, my flight was originally meant to go through to Melbourne, and that meant my layover in Doha was only going to be an hour and a half. I'm not a huge fan of layovers. Uh, as personally someone who does not fly business class, it's not like I get access to the lounges, the beds in the lounges, all, all this luxury. No, usually I'm, I'm always in economy, so I wouldn't really like a long layover because I don't want to sit in an airport for nine hours. But I unfortunately, due to my flight being cancelled to Melbourne, was put on the Adelaide flight. The Melbourne flights left Doha local time at around... When was it? It may have been... Um, maybe like 6.30, 6.45pm when it went off to Sydney and Melbourne. But unfortunately, I was on the 1.15am flight to Doha. I mean, Adelaide, pardon me, the next morning, which means I had somewhat eight hours stuck in Doha. Um, I didn't really walk around much because I was already exhausted. I'd been up for a very, very long time. Uh, but Doha was a nice airport. I really can't fault it. I, I thought it was nice. Um, obviously, it was interesting to see it under COVID regulations. My mum and dad flew home through Doha and they loved it, but they flew before the pandemic. So I flew during the pandemic and it was it felt very much unlike Heathrow, an airline that was very uh, was like trying to fit in with the COVID guidelines as in every seat was basically blocked. Um, there mass empty spaces for people to like stand. It, it felt like where stalls, maybe like shopping areas were, they were now gone and there was more seating to make up for all the ones that were destroyed. Like I said, not destroyed, pardon me, blocked off by like caution tape. But like I said, having not flown through Doha when it's not been during a pandemic, um, obviously plays a part. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm looking at going to back to the UK to study soon, so depending on what carrier I do if I go with Qatar which honestly it may end up being Qatar again as they seem to be the one of the few that is still flying I'll definitely have to report back as to what my experience flying through Doha was um, if that does end up happening uh, even though I don't think it'll be that different I feel like the COVID regulations will be in place for definitely a, a while longer to say the least um, Wi-Fi was terrible in the airport in fact it kept disconnecting almost five seconds I could barely get any type of connection uh, only in like certain places did the connection work. That made it quite difficult. I was dealing with a SIM card that only works in the UK, meaning I, I, the data roaming didn't really work unless I wanted to pay like a hundred pound, which I didn't particularly want to do. So I, I could probably, I would have loved a bit more of a connection, seeming I was there for like eight nine hours. Um, but yeah, I found they have these quiet rooms, which are just genius. They're not, there's not that many seats, so I did have to go walking quite a fair way to find a seat free. But the quiet rooms are meant to be, you know, deadly quiet. But on top of that, the seats are a little bit different to your regular terminal seats, which I appreciated greatly. It was very, very 
comfortable. They're ones they're almost like sunbathing seats, and you can properly stretch out your legs and and sort of have your legs still supported and reclined back a little bit. And they're by no means cushion based, but they're definitely comfortable. Uh, if you're transiting through Doha and don't have the privilege of going to a lounge like I do, I didn't, pardon me, definitely go and find these quiet rooms. You will not regret it. One of the cool things about Doha as well that I have not found in any other airport so far in my journeys is, you know how you have the regular baggage trolleys? They actually had smaller baggage trolleys for backpacks and so forth. And they're like a lot smaller, but you can just put your backpack in them. That is one of the best things. I've, I was so happy because I have a backpack full of camera equipment. So for me to be able to not carry that and walk, obviously the long distances through the airport was a huge bonus. So when I picked one of those up, I noticed a big difference. Uh, I didn't eat anything at the airport, but regarding amenities and food, there are a couple of food courts and one has your typical uh, Burger King. There was Starbucks. There was your WH Smith and so forth. I couldn't buy anything because my credit card didn't work there. And uh, so I was pretty thirsty and hungry, to say the least. Uh, upon boarding, one of the things I noticed about Qatar is they don't really follow the time they notice. They like they put up as an additional. Oh, they're like boarding is at this time. It never means that. Check in at this time. It never means that. It means they'll do it sort of at their own leisure. When I checked in at Heathrow, the uh, the bag drop was meant to take place 45 minutes before they even showed up and we were all sort of just standing there like what's going on like are we ever actually going to check in and then they showed up and i was like but i thought we were checking back bag droppers at this time so it's a bit confusing and as for my processing in doha the check-in happened and then we sort of just waited there for quite a considerable period of time and uh i was like well then why did i get to the gate at the time i was meant to there was only like 40 people on my flight though i thought i would just say that you're going to hear about the full experience upon landing in Adelaide in the next podcast that will be coming out. And in my opinion, it's quite an interesting one. I will warn you, there's a lot of uh, complaining because it's not it's not a great experience, hotel quarantine so far. But as my flight from Adelaide through to Mal... I mean, sorry, Doha through to Adelaide. What am I saying? I'm getting ahead of myself. From Doha through to Adelaide, I slept for about 13 of the 14 hours maybe like actually 12 and a half of the 14 hours so i was out of it for the most part um i had a window seat i did actually get moved at the last minute i was going to be originally closer to the wing basically purely for in-flight content but for balancing issues literally while i was getting my boarding pass no not getting my boarding pass while i was being uh what do you call it like checked in to go to the holding bay to then go onto the plane um I'm not sure what that process is. It's like, is it boarding? It's like boarding when you get... I already had my boarding pass from Heathrow. But anyway, when you show them the boarding pass to eventually then go into the aircraft, um, they changed it and they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're changing you. So actually, I was at the back of the plane, which is pretty annoying. I was excited to be near the wing, but it is what it is. Um, like I said, I made the most of it and just sort of slept and slept and slept some more. And uh, look, no complaints about that. It wasn't comfortable. In fact, I've hurt my shoulder. <laughs> I had uh, seat buckles pushing into my rear end and my back, and I think I hurt my neck as well. I had some pillows, but like I didn't fit at the same time. I have obviously someone that is very self-conscious, and I didn't want to like have my feet sticking out. Uh, and then one time, I must have accidentally kicked them out. So then, you know, my feet get banged, and I wake up. And I was listening to some uh, sleep relaxation Spotify things, which I couldn't recommend enough. They definitely helped me fall asleep. 
had it not been for that i would have been very very concerned for myself i don't think i would have um really slept at all to be honest uh but i'm lucky i did i was i was pretty i had an awful night's sleep the night before i flew back home uh so you know i was i was very adamant that i wanted to sleep on the plane because like i said i didn't want to be watching movies the entire time that is just not something i'm a fan of that is just not something i i really want to do if i'm being completely honest um but yeah it is what it is and um i slept i watched i watched a bit of i think it was godzilla king of the monsters and uh, I, I found that personally. I mean, I've already seen that. I found that enjoyable. That was something simply just to, you know, pass the time while I was waiting. The flight was the flight was a decent one. I think overall it had its ups and downs. Uh, but if I'm being completely honest, I don't think I would fly Qatar Airways again personally because of the mess that I dealt with. I know some of that is not Qatar Airways' its fault, but at the same time, I can't. I can't escape. I can't. How do I put it? Sugarcoat it and be like, it's not totally their fault because some of it is. Um, thinking I was scammed, dish issues with the, the uh, what was it? The baggage and so forth. I just, I can't, I can't sugarcoat that and be like, that's the government's fault or whatever it is theirs. And the customer service was terrible. I know I'll never get good customer service. Um, but even just experiences on board, like the, it's very hard for me to eat any of the food on there. It just is. It's very, very hard given the situation. They almost always have nuts in them. Uh, it might not be peanuts type of thing, but the meals will have some type of sauce, and it's like I, I don't know. There's a, there's a huge risk. That's why I usually try and stick with Qantas. So, like I said, this this time flying guitar was very much a one off. I don't know if I would do it again, especially for the price. Um, and like I said, be constantly being woken up and so forth. And at times the crew weren't maybe the nicest. They were very sort of forceful and demanding uh which is something I, I guess i hadn't experienced as i'm used to Qantas, and uh and i know people will be like oh don't complain about that and who cares and i just guess i guess it's just personal preference at the end of the day that i don't think i would really want to fly them again um especially with the only meal i really had was uh not cooked properly or whatever and it, it ended up making me sick I've only ever had that once before, but usually the food's quite fine, and that was quite disappointing knowing that uh, it was my only meal that I ate. And obviously when you pay such a huge sum and you're sort of too scared to eat it, it's it's difficult. So like I said, I will always prefer to fly with Qantas when it comes to long haul over Qatar Airways, but this was just a position that I couldn't have. There's not much else I can really dive into when it comes to this this flight experience, because like I said, I was asleep for a large portion of it. Um, my main goal was to just sleep and sleep and sleep some more. And uh, I didn't really want to, you know, be awake the entire time. So ultimately, I wouldn't say there were huge, incredible, incredible, like, problems with it. But mixed with the huge pre-flight issues that I had and then little niggly problems when it came to being on the aircraft that maybe made my experience not as amazing as I would have hoped. Um, I would probably give it maybe like a 5 out of 10. Uh, like I said, my judgment's probably clouded because of the crap I dealt with for the past 8 months. Um, and maybe that may be a little bit... Maybe like it made me a bit uneasy. Because like I said, I know people that have had incredible experiences with Qatar Airways, but I also know people that have not. And at the end of the day, I've only flown with them twice. 
I've not flown with them a hundred times. I could have 98 other experiences and they could be all amazing. But these are my two experiences and at the end of the day, I can only judge off that. Thank you very much for listening. The third part of this mini-series will be up very, very soon for your faces. Once again, if you have not followed the podcast, please give it a follow, maybe even a review. If you do give a review, I will be more than happy to shout you out in the next podcast. I hope you've been enjoying this mini-series. It's not been too annoying to listen to, and it's given you a little bit of insight into flying during a global pandemic. But until the next one, please take care. Be safe. I will see you potentially on the Discord server or maybe over on my Twitter, or even watching just a YouTube video of mine. It is greatly appreciated. Like I said, the Hotel Quarantine episode has already been recorded and edited. It is ready to go out, but I'm just going to give it a bit of breathing room. So keep an eye on my socials and uh, you should see sort of a date of when that will be coming out. Or it might just be honestly a surprise drop, pardon me. But like I said, stay tuned. Continue to be safe. Thank you very much for the support on these podcasts. It's, it's greatly appreciated. It's nice to see people are returning each time. And uh, I will see you all again. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. If you haven't already, feel free to follow my socials, being that of YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the DJ's Aviation Branding. If you're interested in seeing my large collection of car, transport, aviation, and natural landscape photography, you can check me out on Flickr. Interested maybe in also joining a Discord community with thousands of members, you can do so with the vanity URL of discord.gg forward slash aviation. We'd certainly love to see you there. Until the next podcast, be safe and take care.